0: Welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your host and owner, Justin Jackson. In this week's episode, we'll be discussing the NFL week seven, along with week eight, along with news in the NFL. We will have our NFL betting segment, Jack's Pack. We will touch on the NBA returning, and we will have Jack's hot take. Now, as always, don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the Justin Time Sports Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and lastly don't forget to follow and turn on the post notifications for just in time sports social media with the social media handle at JTime sports i repeat at j time sports follow your breaking news updates and highlights um, from around the sporting world now as always don't forget to sit back and get ready to learn something So excited to have you guys here with me on a Wednesday morning. Well, recording this Tuesday night. By the time you hear this Wednesday morning, uh, excuse my voice. Um, my voice is a little bit odd. i been feeling under the weather the past few days. For some reason, my voice decided that it wanted to go out. Uh, it sounds like me after I finished coaching. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I am a high school football coach. Uh, defensive coordinator with 4 and 4 right now. Shout out to Baker Buffaloes. Um... But it sounded like my voice right after I'm finished coaching Um, And so again, I sound a little bit like Doc Rivers Uh, But (coughs) again, excuse me, I apologize for my voice I've been feeling under the weather the past few days But I wanted to make sure I came in um, and recorded and gave you guys some content for this week Because I know that you guys look forward uh, to my podcast Especially my fans over in Southeast Asia, uh, Germany uh, France is picking up as well And of course my American fans I always love you guys um, But we're going to jump right into The show As you heard in the intro we've got Last week and this week of the NFL We've got Jack's pack which is taken a hit Last week, last week was brutal um, And then we have Touch on the NBA, the NBA is back um, And then we'll have Jack's hot take um, But The NBA is back um, I am watching currently Uh, The tail end of Lakers and Nuggets um, Which I'll touch on that probably later In the show Um, But the NBA is back So excited the NBA is back Uh, Nikola Jokic looks Really really in shape Which should be scary for the rest of the NBA He doesn't have his baby fat on Um, We gotta talk about the NBA now I guess Uh, He doesn't have his baby fat on Um, So that's gotta be terrifying For the rest of the NBA Um and in regards to the Lakers, um, they look good. I just think there's a lot of new moving pieces. I think the Lakers might be one of the teams that start off five 5-5, and 6-6, five, six and 5-7, six, and seven, and then kind of have to roll their way uh, into maybe a 8, 9, 10-game win streak where they, you know, go from like 8th in the West, ninth in the West, to like 1st or 2nd. Um, I think they're going to be one of those kind of teams. They have to figure out what they're going to do with Cam Reddish. Jackson Hayes looks out of place. Um... Gabe Vincent doesn't really know what shots he wants to take. And even in year 21, LeBron is the ecosystem. Um, so when he's on the court, the Lakers look like one of the better teams that you're going to see in basketball. He's off the court. I they get they're playing the Nuggets, but he's there look like a team that was struggling to make the playoffs. Um, it's not something you want, considering that LeBron has spoken about how he wants Anthony Davis to take over at this age and stage in AD's career. A hell of a play by Reggie Jackson. Sheesh. Um, oh, sorry. I can't call it a poke. My apologies. Um, but you got a lot of guys on Denver that just know their role. The guys who came back from last year know what they're doing. Jokic. Braun. Um, Reggie Jackson. KCP. Aaron Gordon. Jamar Murray. Interesting switch decision there. Um... Those guys just know what they're doing. And so, out of the 10 guys that are playing, that have played, seven of them were key rotational guys last year. Um, So, Denver, Michael Porter Jr., Denver knows pretty much how they want to play. I'm looking at the court now for the Lakers. There was three Lakers on it. Two Lakers on it from the start of last season. One Laker on it from the start of last season being Anthony Davis. Um, Of course... D'Lo and um, Hachimura come with the trade deadline. Vincent and can't see who the fifth starter. Oh, that's um, Cam Reddish arrive in the, in his offseason. So you know, the Lakers are going to try and figure their way out. They cut the lead down and Denver. Denver pushes it back out. Um, and then it would be very interesting as well in the second game um, with Phoenix and Golden State because Phoenix has a depth problem thanks to them deciding to blow completely through the second luxury tax. Which, if you guys know anything about the luxury tax system, that is the way to go. Um, and so, if you guys are unfamiliar with the luxury tax, especially with the second luxury tax apron, uh, if you decide to blow through it, you guys that go to the second luxury, you might as well just blow through it because the penalties for being one penny over are so painful you might as well just blow through it. Um, because one penny over means that you know, you're restrictive, you can't use second round picks in trades and you can't you got to go player for player in every trade, player for player and dollar for dollar in every trade. You can't acquire cash in a deal. It's just it's so many restrictions. Um No, have expires tomorrow night. That'd be interesting. Uh arrival Victor Windeyama. But um officially but there's so many restrictions to being a second apron team that Boston, Golden State, Phoenix, uh, they've just decided look, we're going to blow through it. There's no point in being one penny in it. We're going to sign for agents all the way to it and then re-sign our guys all the way through it. And we'll just be a ridiculously... Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, we'll just be a ridiculous... Really uh, High tax team uh, Denver uh, wouldn't go into the tax Like that for uh, Bruce Brown So Lakers blew through it uh, Or got right up to it So there's uh, multiple teams That just decided we're going to blow right through it Don't really care uh, Because once you won a penny over You figure it's the cost of winning a championship You'll pay an extra $200-$250 million In luxury tax over 4-5 or five years If it guarantees you a title I mean that's how most owners kind of look at it. And so that's what most owners decided to do. So that uh, so Phoenix did that, my HPA came in, of course, Kevin Durant trade, Bradley Bill trade, Chris Paul trade, all within six months of each other, and also handed out a bunch of contract extensions. Um, he also made the move, of course, to get rid of DeAndre Aiden, which uh, helped facilitate some bench movement back. Um, but and then he helped facilitate the Damian Lillard trade to Milwaukee. Um, and he got some bench moving back, but for the most part, it's built around the big four uh, Booker, KD, uh, Bradley Bill, and now Yusef Nurkic. Uh, and so it's built around the big three, though Booker, KD, and Bradley Bill. Um, now who are they gonna guard? Absolutely no idea. I don't know who Bradley Bill's gonna guard on the basketball court. Um, and in the event that they do have an injury, like Bradley Bill has a back situation. Who's going to step up is it Grayson Allen. You know, like it, it kind of falls off the, the map, and their weakness of lack of depth pops through uh, tremendously whenever one of them is down. So that's going to be something to keep our eye on with Phoenix, how they move and maneuver without Bradley Bill. I'm sure for one game it won't be that big of a problem, but if Bradley Bill's back it becomes a lingering thing because Bill has had injury concerns. Kevin Durant has missed time with injury Devin Booker is the sturdy out of the group He's missed some time with injury um, Which feels like the modern Take on every NBA player Who misses time With injury um, And so that's just the way it's going to go in Phoenix They're going to have to depend on health um, Which is why I didn't really pick Phoenix To go very far because again They're going to have to depend on health Um then not to make this NBA topic but Hey, Love it Um, And so since we're here I might as well do my awards Uh, I'm an individual award person I'm not into all NBAs All that stuff I don't pick them Um, But I will pick uh, the big five So MVP, defensive player of the year uh, Sixth man of the year Most improved and then coach of the year Um, And so my my MVP selection uh, I think Giannis goes and gets it again I just think he has the ability to play with Damian Lillard this year. He's going to see more space than he ever has in his life. Um, I just think Giannis, well, since he became the Giannis we know now, uh, I just think Giannis is going to see so much space that he's going to easily dominate in the paint. You know, 30 and 12, 30 and 15 might be regular stat lines for him. Um, And because of which, I can see uh, Giannis winning the MVP award um, for my most, uh, for my sixth man of the year. Um, that one is a little bit tricky because these lineups aren't going to shuffle so much but one candidate I would drive the train for is Chris Paul uh, as you guys know Chris Paul is on the Golden State Warriors now after getting bounced uh, a couple locations in the offseason uh, Phoenix to Washington into Golden State I think that Chris Paul has the opportunity here to win six Man of the year I don't see I don't see Chris Paul starting now Chris Paul has started every single game of his NBA career, his entire NBA career. I just don't see um, Chris Paul starting in the line. It doesn't make basketball sense. Um, if you look at it, do you really want to start a lineup with Chris Paul, who can't guard anybody these days? Steph Curry, who you don't want guarding anybody these days. Klay um, Thompson, who last year was a shell of himself on defense. Um... Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins in the starting lineup. That means your tallest player is six foot seven. You can only and even with that little, even with that small of a lineup, your switching versatility doesn't involve either of your guards. So you're in a situation where you're in an awful spot if you are um, the Golden State Warriors by starting Chris Paul. However, if you start Kevon Looney, um, now you have a real big. You still are in the same switch limitations But at least now you have a real big Um, And Chris Paul Come off the bench Captain your second unit He's the best second unit leader Arguably ever I mean we're talking him and Manu Ginobili Um, And so if I'm Chris Paul That's the decision I make with the organization I say Chris Paul is my sixth man of the year Oh I also do rookie of the year as well I'm sorry for Coach of the Year, I think Coach of the Year is an interesting pick. I think it's going to be Darvin Ham. Either Darvin Ham or Willie Green. You know, I'm going to go Willie Green. I'm not going to go Darvin. I'm going to go Willie Green here the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, I, I And this may be hard overhead here um, because my head's saying Darvin Ham, but it may be hard overhead here. Uh, but I think the Pelicans have finally figured out, for the most part, the health situation of their big three. Now, obviously, it all hinges on Zion. If Zion can find a way to play 60 games, I think they'll win 48 of the 60 he plays, um, win 8 of the 22 he doesn't, and they're a 56 win team. You know, it's just, it's that simple in New Orleans. If he can play 65 games, they may win 40, you know, they may win 50, 52 of those. 17 he doesn't play, they win five. They're a 57 win team, probably number one seed. Uh, people forget before he goes down. In December, even with Brandon Ingram Already being down, the Pelicans were tied For first with the Denver Nuggets In the Western Conference in the middle of December Um, And then he goes down Ingram's already out, the team dovetails But that is the kind of firepower New Orleans possessions CJ McCullough must fix his his Hand injury, Zion Williamson Looks to be in the best shape he's been in since his NBA Career started, Brandon Ingram of course Is there, they still have Jonas Valanciunas Um, You know, they have A lot of those guys Still readily available um, to play in New Orleans. So I just think that it is the opportunity for um, the Pelicans to put it all together. And I think Michael Malone, not Michael Malone, I was looking at the Nuggets thing. Willie Green wins Coach of the Year in the NBA. Uh, Defensive Player of the Year, that's an award that kind of varies up and down. Um, But I'm going to give it to Joel Embiid. I think that Embiid's gonna have to anchor the defense in Philly even more than usual, um, and so I just think that he's gonna have to anchor that defense, I like, said so a little bit more than usual in Philly, um, especially with the drama with James Harden, um, and so I just think they're gonna have to lean a little bit more on the defensive end. Who's better than anchor than a seven foot two, seven foot three guy in Joel Embiid, um, and so I think that Embiid's gonna win Defensive Player of the Year. For my rookie of the year, I think it's going to be easily Victor Wembanyama. Now, I think Chet's going to give him a run for his money because Chet didn't play last year. So, you know, the NBA has that weird rule that's not like in any other sport. If you don't play a minute in your rookie year, you can technically redshirt. Because Embiid redshirted two years, Blake Griffin redshirted, Ben Simmons had the redshirt year. Um, Julius Randle. Didn't because he got hurt like on his first play. But then it's like, um, you know, Blake Griffin had the red shirt year. So if you don't play, you can kind of red shirt your fresh year rookie, your first year, and then have year two of your contract be your rookie year in the NBA. Um And so Chet is gonna be in that rookie of the year race with Victor. So the two long lanky forward center guys are gonna be in the same rookie of the year race. Uh, I just think that Victor's gonna have so much hype coming in It's gonna be like LeBron and Melo where Chet numbers may look a little better Maybe, but Victor's gonna have The, uh, momentum And plus, Chet's on a better team Chet has SGA, Josh Giddy, J-Dub, J-Will Uh, Lou Dort, he has guys Victor Oladipo, I think now Uh, he has guys that Are gonna put up their own numbers And so it may take away from his offensive counting Numbers Um and so Victor is on the team with Jerry, Jeremy Schoen in prayers. So I think he's going to have the opportunity to put up more counting numbers. So Victor Winbyama wins rookie of the year. I think it's everything uh, MVP, six man, rookie of the year, coach of the year. uh all I can think of. But anyway, so now we're going to transition into the NFL, which would be talk about NFL week seven. playing A Block, which was just talking about NFL Week 7. Um, That guy started rolling about the NBA. It was like, hey, I wanted to touch on it, but then it kind of expanded, so we're going to talk about the NBA. But uh, now to our regularly scheduled A Block. Again, NFL Week 7. A lot of interesting games happened last week. Um That was some shockers as well. Um, Patriots beat the Bills. That was shocking. Oh, uh, as you guys know, I'm a Patriots fan. I had completely abandoned ship. I even picked Buffalo in my very ill-fated Jacks pack. Um, I picked Buffalo. I said the Patriots are cooked. Um, and then day of game day, wake up to an article, nice article, several reporters um, that Bill Belichick had indeed signed a contract extension a lucrative contract extension at that um, to remain GM and head coach of the team. So that was interesting because if you guys remember, i kind of been saying that maybe the Patriots' plan is they're doing their reset year. That they have their draft picks, that they have, after this year, $100 million plus in cap space. They possess most of their young players. They have... Um, uh, um, staff stability. Sorry, my mouth got stuck there. The yoke is ridiculous. Um, they have staff stability because if Belichick's not going anywhere. O'Brien's not going anywhere. Joe Mayo's not going anywhere. Um, the higher ups in the organization's not going anywhere. You know, you have staff stability. Three straight here just boop, go four and thirteen. Pick a really really good left tackle. Uh, see what you have in Mac Jones, and kind of go from there. Uh, which side note of uh, right after my uh, Chris Paul for Six Man of the Year thing, the Warriors start him tonight because Draymond Green's out. <laughs> Whatever. Um, but yeah, it's kind of the things where you know you kind of see what you have in the team, and you can kind of retool. This is a draft and an off season that can fix a lot of New England's problems. Uh, T. Higgins. Is going to be available The Bengals for some odd reason Didn't trade him for a first round pick In the draft um, So T. Higgins is going to be available I think the Patriots should go and pay him uh, I think that the Patriots should make a move On a running back Zeke is trying to bounce back Ramon J. Stevenson seems to be a shell of himself uh, A couple offensive linemen Some speed on the outside The quarterback the Patriots are back in business uh, they can do it all in one offseason, especially with the amount of money they're going to have available in the salary cap and the draft picks they possess as well. Um, smart spending and smart drafting, the Pages could be back, maybe not to total dominance, but to where kind of what they're used to seeing them in one offseason. Um, and so <clears throat> the thing is, though, going into the game with the Bills, I pretty much decided that Page season was over. Uh, they were going to lose to the good teams. Lo- battle the struggling teams beat the bad teams and like I said go to the offseason 4 and 13 5 and 12 and then see what happens but they beat the Bills Uh, they beat the Bills physically they beat the Bills schematically they got enough of a bad game from Josh Allen and they got enough of a great game from Mac Jones and they were able to win uh, to get their second win of the season the Patriots now have two wins both are in division Uh, they beat the Jets and they beat the Bills now they got the Dolphins, so maybe they go three for three in the division. I'm not sure. But we're going to definitely keep our eye on the Patriots game. Uh, the Bills just didn't look like themselves, honestly. I'm not sure if it was a great Patriots game, which the Bills being a little off, but the Bills didn't look like themselves. And the Bills come right after that game where they had that really awkward thing with Brian Dable and the Giants. They didn't look good in that game either. Um, and so to go into the Patriots game and look as rough as they did, Something's going on in Buffalo. Uh, it's like we're on the downslope of the um, Josh Allen roller coaster. The Baltimore Ravens absolutely, and I mean this as kindly as I can, wrecked the Detroit Lions. Absolutely disrespected the city of Detroit, um, abused the state of Michigan. Uh, I, I believe. That I heard the city cry. It was rough. I think Motown, the building burned down. Like, it was rough in Detroit. In Baltimore, I'm glad it wasn't a home game. I mean, Baltimore absolutely went to work. They put on a show. Lamar Jackson was dancing around the Lions, finding receivers in the end zone. Schematically, it looked like the Lions did not practice all week. They were not prepared for anything the Ravens were doing. Um, And it's not high school football. You know where you get that really good private school that happens to be in the same district as the all right public school, and then private school just runs away from them hides. This isn't college football with Alabama. Like yeah, Alabama and Southeastern are both Division One football programs, but if they play, Alabama win by you know sixty. This is two NFL teams. The two highly paid quarterbacks, two highly paid coaches. Everybody on the roster is making is trying to make money to feed their families. And the Baltimore Ravens absolutely picked the Lions apart like they knew everything that was going to happen. And they just absolutely destroyed the Detroit Lions. Absolute great win from the Baltimore Ravens organization. Uh, they are springboarding their way up. And the scary part about it was the Ravens didn't like they cared. You know, like you win a game like that? you're jumping, you're bouncing, you're celebrating, you're doing this, that, and the third. The Ravens was like, all right, on to the next thing because they have bigger goals and aspirations. They want the Super Bowl. Um, and so that's what the Ravens looking for, and that was a determined destruction um, that they put together after last game. So absolute big, big kudos to the Baltimore Ravens organization for the way that they played that game. The Eagles defeated the Miami Dolphins in a game, again, where physicality reigned supreme. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles were able to tush-push like five or six times, uh, a brotherly shove, whichever one you prefer. Uh, they were, A.J. Brown is continuing his high streak. He now has five games over 125 yards uh, receiving, continuing his high streak as well. Um, Jalen Hurts looked somewhat like the Jalen Hurts' we seen last year, he had his moments there, not running nearly as much. I think that's by design. Um, uh, the menace, And then when you go look more into the game, the Miami Dolphins' Tyree Hill got off. Not much else did. Uh, the loss of Devon A. Kane, or Ashane, A. Kane, I think it's A. Kane. I'm going to go with A. Kane. The loss of him is showing um, because the one thing that this offense – this version of the Kyle or the Mike Shanahan offense had over the other versions that exist in um, Arthur Smith runs it in, not Smith runs it in Tennessee, but uh, Kyle Shanahan, of course, runs it in San Francisco. Sean McVay runs it in Los Angeles. Uh, the difference between their versions and Miami's versions is that Miami's versions are just so fast. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Wilder, Devon A. Kane, I mean, they were responsible, They think they're still responsible for the top seven's fastest runs with the ball in the league. They're just so much faster. So yes, the scheme is really, really good. But if I get to the really, really good scheme really, really fast, it makes it incredibly hard to stop. Uh, and so that was the issue that a lot of people are having with them. It's like we're already out schemed and we have to almost be early to stuff because of how much faster they are. And if we're wrong on what we're early to, you might as well go ahead and put up seven points. I mean, that's kind of what was people were going through. But well, without AKing out, you can overplay the pass because the speed isn't there at running back that it was previously. Not that kind of speed. Sure, they're fast. They're gonna running backs. But they're not elite. I make fast people look slow fast. Um, and so... Now people are kind of overplaying the pass As opposed to being stuck between the middle um, And so that's affecting Miami's pass game Which is in turn affecting their run game Because now you don't have that elite speed guy To get around the outside Even when the play breaks down He's just going around you um, And it's limited to play action People are still reacting to pass first um, And so it's affecting the Miami Dolphins offense and you were able to see when Philly brought in some of those exotic pressures. Miami had trouble kind of picking them up at certain points. Um, and Tua, for the first time all season, looked a little frazzled. Um, not a lot. Not a lot by any means. But it was enough to where it wasn't his usual comfortable. I'm going to just pick you apart because I have the fastest team ever. And I'm, I'm a damn accurate quarterback. He was, forced to, um, he was forced to pat the ball a couple of times. The timing was a little off. Again, it wasn't anything super major, but it was enough uh, to affect the Dolphins' offense. And for the first time all season, make it look mundane. And my last point I'm going to talk about before I get into news is Brock, Mr. Irrelevant Purdy. <sighs> I do this because I love this, honestly. And I do this because I want you guys to have the best information, have the best news, as unbiased as possible. I tell you my biases before they even start. It's the Yankees, it's LSU, it's uh, LeBron, and it's the Pelicans. I and, and the, I, I tell you this before it starts. So if you hear a bias in one of those topics, you can't say Justin never told you because I'm I'm telling you right now. Who my bias? Where my biases lie? Okay, yeah. let's just we got that out the way. We got that out the way. All right. I told you last week, for the first time in his life, he, Brock Purdy specifically, had to discover what it was like to live like the rest of the quarterbacks live. Nobody else in the league has all pro everythings. Nobody else in the league has highest paid everythings. Nobody else in the league has the highest paid left tackle and the highest paid running back and the highest paid inside linebacker and not one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid DB core and one of the highest paid receivers in the league. No one else has that. Mathematically, it doesn't work. Brock Purdy makes 800 grand against salary cap. So that leaves the entire salary cap to fill in the roster last week he lost some of his all pros and he looked pretty human he actually lost a start which up until that point was deemed nearly impossible and then this week having all week to practice without those guys even getting some of them back Christian McCaffrey played Trent Williams I think played Um, I know he got Debo back He looked human. Again, even throwing two fourth quarter interceptions and ultimately costing his team the game, and now he's lost two starts in his career. Brian Purdy's not that good. Accurate, I give you that. He threw a couple of beautifully timed passes uh, in the last game. I give you that. I give you that entirely. He threw a couple of beautifully timed passes. Especially right across the middle. I give you that. Right? But he's just not that good. He's just not. Sorry. I'm sorry to be the bear of bad news. I don't want to be this guy. I'm simply telling you the truth. But don't hit your wagon to Brock Purdy. This is an opportunity for you to be on the right side of history. Do you want to be on the side of the people that make sense? Or by Purdy? You wanna be on the side of the people who work in scouting and he was the dead last pick in the NFL draft and the only team to come out and the only report that has come out and said that they wanted him to be their quarterback even on the practice squad or for agent signing is Minnesota Vikings. Do you wanna be right? Or do you want to be outside of Brock Purdy? Do you want to be the hot take machine who can, you know, 20 years from now, say, man, I've seen that seventh-round pick coming? Or do you want to be right? See, this is not a situation where it's a a negotiable moment. It's a non-negotiable. What's going to happen is Brock Purdy is going to turn back into the pumpkin that he is. It is not an offense to Brock Purdy. I promise it's not personal. He's just going to return back into the pumpkin instead of Cinderella's horse, drawn carriage with the beautiful horses and the glass slipper and all that stuff, he's going to lose all of that and turn back into the pumpkin that we know and did not love him as, and Iowa State. I promise it's going to happen. As the day is long, as the sun raises in the sky, Brock Purdy will turn back into well, Brock Purdy. Um, I said that a lot of last year. Eventually, he has to return back to Rockford eventually. And they staved it off. I think Philly might have did it to him in the playoffs last year, but they staved it off. He was injured. It's Hugh City. Um, injuries legitimate though. And then I, and then he came out this year still winning games. I said, you know, he maybe, maybe. I I almost drunk some of the Kool-Aid. Maybe. He's just that real. And then I started seeing signs of he's not, he's just Brock Purdy. He is what we thought he was. He is exactly what you thought he was. Pretty okay quarterback. Starter, low end, but starter. Nothing you should hang your organization's futures on. It's okay. It's one of those moments you get the opportunity to be right. So if I'm the if I'm on the right side of history, if I'm being smart, I I choose the side of Brock Purdy He's going to turn back into Brock Purdy. That's just me. But anyway, uh, let's go into news quick hitters. Uh, the New England Patriots have waived Malik Willis. I'm oh, sorry, Malik Cunningham. My apologies. Uh, they just signed into an extension about ten days ago. One of those weird. Language based extensions, but he uh he was waived by the New England Patriots um, today. Um, the Tennessee Titans are expected to potentially play Malik Willis, who's our thing about Malik Willis, and uh Will Levis as uh, Ryan Tannehill is out. So they have two young quarterbacks, both picked them back to back drafts, uh, neither one first round draft pick. So now they have the opportunity to see both of them play and appear like they're going to take it. Uh, Zach Ertz and Isaiah Wynn, uh, the char- the chief Cardinals and Dolphins respectively, have both been placed on IR for a uh, duality of ailments. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr. decided to leave football on um, the Detroit Lions due to personal family matters. The Lions have since waived him. As a result, the Rams have released Brett Maher as a result of missed kicks. And lastly, unfortunately, Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver Justin Ross, who just seemed to be turning a corner in his career, uh, has been charged with multiple uh, counts, including battery. But up next, we're going to shift into NFL Week 8. Welcome into the show And now we're going to talk about NFL week 8 And what's happening this current week Starting off with Thursday night football The Bucks and the Bills Now we spoke about the Bucks and the Bills earlier We won't pick this game, it is in our NFL No, it's actually okay, we can pick this game right now A producer just told me uh, We can pick this game right now It is in, uh, not in our Jacks Pack so therefore we can pick it, discuss it in full. So we talked about in the second segment how Josh Allen's in that streak. He's in that odd space where he'll have two, three to four games where it's just like, Josh, what are you doing? You know, and it's just it's just Josh, what Josh, what are you doing? Um, and then the offense looks just shoveled and you got this weird Stefan Diggs dynamic going on. And they've been playing off the past couple of weeks. And playing off offensively with going against Bill Belichick is one thing. It's totally understandable. Bill Belichick's the best defensive mind ever. It's totally understandable. They looked off against the Giants. And against the Giants team, when the Bills, when the Bills were at home, that everyone knew the Giants were trying to make the game short and not necessarily get into any kind of real battle, um, especially offensively. And... They were, man, not long at all away. I mean they're potentially Tyrod Taylor checking out um, of the play on the goal line in the first half from the Giants winning that game. Um, so that's I mean, that's the situation. That's the um, that's the situation going on in Buffalo right now. Um, and Tampa Bay is playing with a lot of confidence. They're a team that's playing better than people thought they would play. Um Myself included. Uh, Baker Mayfield hasn't tanked yet. I think it's going to happen, of course. But he hasn't quite tanked yet. Um, Mike Evans still producing at a high level. That defense is rolling. I'm going to actually go with Tampa in the upset here on Thursday night. Uh, in Buffalo, I think Tampa gets it done. Uh, and I think Tampa gets it done close, 24 uh, to 20. I just think that Buffalo comes up in the red zone small, at times, smaller than they should be, given the talent that they have. Uh, I think Tampa squeaks out Mike Evans gets a long one. Um, they may pop on in the running game, big return, sets up a short field for Baker, knock in some field goals, and you win the game 24-20. to um, So that is how I think Bucks and Bills are going to go. Uh, sticking in the AFC East, but traveling south, way south, uh, the New England Patriots take their annual trip to the Miami Dolphins. Now, usually this game is in what I call a weather crisis spot. It's either really early, where Miami's 95 degrees still, or it's really late, where Miami's 85 degrees still, 80 degrees still, but New England's 20. You know, so you're flying in, you're shivering, you're shivering all week, and then you fly out Friday and land in this beautiful, warm, thick, humid air, and it's cramped city, or you're moving slow. Or it goes the other way, where it's pretty decently warm, In New England, it's 80-85 every day. Miami is 95-100. Again, humid area, it's cramped city. Being that it's this time of year, late October, the temperatures are in the same area, and it's not nearly as humid as it would be normally in Miami. So the weather advantage Miami would normally carry in this game is not nearly as impactful as it normally is. Now, good teams get embarrassed, usually play really, really well the next week. Do I think that the Dolphins will win the game? I do. I think they'll win. The point spread, I believe, is eight and a half, nine. Most places. I think it'll be closer than the point spread. I say I think it'll be a six-point game. Something's going on with Miami organizationally that people are kind of cracking the code a little bit, um, just a little bit. I'm not saying they're solved by any means, but people are starting to slow them down week by week. They're getting a little bit slower and a little bit slower and a little bit slower. I think this game is decently low scoring. I got 23-17 Dolphins. I think they get in the end zone, you know, two, three times, and, you know, whatever, 24-17. Somewhere in there, Uh, Dolphins, I think they win the game, but it's a game where, you know, Pages had a ball late, you know, down seven, down six, three, four minutes left for timeout. Uh, Or Dolphins have it up six, four minutes left. Pat, you know, it'll be somewhere where the last couple of minutes of the game matters. I think it'll be a really close football game. Actually, the Dolphins ultimately squeak it out. Uh, we're going to skip over the battle for New York because that is in my Jacks pack. And we're going to go uh, we're gonna skip over the battle of the top picks as well, also in my Jacks pack. But we are going to go into the Browns at the Seahawks. This is an interesting game. It's a cross-country travel game as pretty much all of the Seattle games are except for in the division. Um, but Cleveland goes across the country to play Seattle. Cleveland's bringing in one of the angriest defenses and one of the meanest defenses I've seen in a while. Uh, they gave up a lot of points with the Colts, but a lot of kind of it was fluky plays. Um, and so I think that oh, the Browns are going to go in there against Seattle, a team that's a little less – Pop happy than the Colts. The Colts are kind of playing with house money. Um, and so they're going for it. I think Seattle that's going to put a little more of a stage of the game, which allows Miles Garrett uh, to go off a little bit more. That Browns defense is hungry, it's active. They will turn you over and they will try to score off said turnovers. We've seen multiple uh, big turnovers back, including TJ Watt. Uh, but what Miles Garrett did in the last game, man, jumped over the line, blocked the field goal. He got a safety. Um, He had multiple, two or three sacks. Um, He was absolutely all over the place. Undoubtedly the best player on both teams. The most dominant player on defense last week by far. Um, He played absolutely hell of a game. Uh, And so I think he brings that momentum into um, Seattle. uh, And the Browns get a victory uh, with P.J. Walker under center uh, 24-20. I and mean, then the Browns get a victory there. A big defensive play is inside You know, it's a second and 12, and they become third and 19 because of a Miles Garrett sack or a strip fumble. Or, you know, I think the defense makes a play for Cleveland when they need it, and they squeak out a four-point victory 24-20. And then the last game I want to take a gander at is a Cincinnati Bengals at the San Francisco 49ers. A game that has a lot of potential. The 49ers, to me, are one game away from panicking. Because up until a couple weeks ago, I pray never lost. Now, obviously, he was going to lose eventually, but he had never lost. He definitely had not lost two in a row with the second one totally being his fault. That had not happened. Uh, Christian McCaffrey has ended for a record of, six, of 16 consecutive games with a touchdown from scrimmage. Um, you know, it's... He's getting help from his All-Pros, and yet he threw the game away. Like I said, two interceptions in the fourth quarter is unacceptable. You're not going to win a football game like that. Uh, and so the 49ers are the first time could potentially looking at Purdy down the hallway going, he may not be perfect. Um, and then the Bengals, man, huge opportunity for the Bengals here to go into San Francisco and have all the confidence in the world because not many people go into San Francisco. I not even beat the San Francisco 49ers to begin with. But definitely not a lot of people go into San Francisco, into Levi's Stadium, um, and defeat the 49ers. That usually doesn't happen. But with Brock Purdy, like I said, struggling in the past couple weeks, especially in uh, last week's fourth quarter. This is an opportunity for the Bengals to get a huge win that they normally would not be able to get. And I'm going to pick them to get it. Uh, I think they, uh, now they're going to have to block Nick Bosa and that pass rush to 49ers. But I just think that Brock Purdy is going to be so not viable on the other end that they're able to um, get a victory uh, for the Bengals 27-24 to 24. it'll be closer to come down to Avery McPherson uh, or Moody knocking in the kick is how the game's going to go but 27-24 uh, Cincinnati Bengals but up next we're going to shift to our NFL betting segment Jack's Pack Jack's pack. Um, it was a rough week. For the first time since I've been doing this, I went 0-5. Oh, that's interesting. Nurkids K oh, cuz okay, never mind. So Cody's gonna be the fifth starter in the event Bradley Bill's healthy. Cause Allen Grace Allen, sorry. Okay, okay, okay. Um But um for the first time since doing this, went 0-5. Yep, win 0 and 5. First time doing this, that was rough. And we had a couple of games that were right on the edge. Like uh, Cleveland minus two and they went by one. Uh, we had a couple of, I had another one that was really right on the edge that we ultimately just didn't get, unfortunately. Um, but we're going to bounce back this week. We are 14-19 and 19 on the season. Not great. To um, so give you a percentage on that. We are at 14 of 19 on the season, uh, which comes out to 40%. So we are uh, about 16, 17% under what we want to be, which, again, is a professional gambler rank of um, 55 to 56%. We are at 40%. So we're going to bounce back. Our locks are hitting at about 57%. So our locks is professional gambler. we four, four and 3 on our locks. Uh, they went 0-5 uh, last week So that was not great But like I said, we are going to bounce back this week I can assure you of that We are going to come back with a vengeance this week We're going to start off with the Battle of New York um, I, uh, Jets minus 3 at the Giants Take the Jets I just think defensively The Jets are going to dominate this game the Giants are going to struggle to score the basketball period. Not the basketball side, so I'm watching basketball. The Giants are going to struggle to score the football plain and simple. Um, and I think Zach Wilson can eke out 17 points. I don't think the Giants are getting 10 as great as, you know, Brian David was his job as solid as Tyra Taylor has looked. The Jets are going to torture the Giants offense I think it's gonna be an ugly, low-scoring, like 17 to 10 kind of game. That's all I need to cover. Uh saying, man, hell it might be 17 to 12. That's all I need to cover. Uh, so the Jets minus three at the Giants, take the Jets. Vikings, and they pick them at the Packers, take the Vikings. Uh, something's going on with the Packers. They're they're running out of love for Jordan. Uh he's struggling now. He can't, now he's not even turning it on. In the fourth quarter, it's just not coming on. Uh, I don't know what's going on exactly with um, the Green Bay Packers offense. I don't think they're developing uh, Jordan Love well. I think the lead's catching on to what they want to do with him, and he's not adjusting well. Um, so something going on with that uh, organization offensively, and the frustration are beginning to leak out. Minnesota is playing with house money. They have found... How to get Jordan Addison loose um, They do really really well With the tight end position T.J. Hawkinson He's starting to get his his catches and targets as well um, And so There's just a lot of positive Happening with Minnesota Defensively they look really really good um, And so I just think that uh, Minnesota is going to win uh, The game which of course Covers the pick In the battle of the top two Picks in the draft. Um, CJ Stroud and the Houston Texans with a three a three point favorite over the Carolina Panthers. Um, my lock of the week take the Texans. They're just a better team. CJ Stroud's a better quarterback. The Panthers are still not won a, a game in CJ in Bryce Young's career. CJ Stroud's a better quarterback. Um, the Texans are the better team. The Texans are actually you know playing to win games. The Panthers are playing because they can't practice all week um, and still collect their paychecks the Texans are going to run away and high with this game. This may be a double. This maybe be a 14, 17-point kind of game. Uh, the Texans are going to uh, destroy the Panthers and, of course, cover the three points. The Las Vegas Raiders at the Lions. Lions minus eight. Uh, take the Lions here. Good teams get that get beat, they get embarrassed, especially way the Lions got embarrassed, especially while they come home. They're going to want to defend themselves. They're going to want to blow up. They're going to want to come back. That was the worst game in the Dan Campbell era. Um, and so they were absolutely pummeled and embarrassed. And I think they're going to bounce back and show that they have some kind of grit in there. Uh, they're going to you know, get up and bite off a kneecap on the way up in the words of Dan Campbell. And so I think they run away and hide from the Raiders, and they cover the eight points. And then lastly, but certainly not least, Bears at Chargers. Chargers minus eight and a half. Take the Chargers. Same same concept. The charges were handled uh, by the Kansas City Chiefs. they uh, They struggled offensively the past couple of weeks. They've already had defensive struggles. As you guys know, they are the worst total defense uh, in the NFL since Justin Herbert's first game with a starter. When he started unexpectedly because the doctor tried to puncture, had to kill Tyrod Taylor and punctured his lung. Uh, okay, he didn't literally try to kill Tyrod Taylor, but he stabbed Tyrod Taylor and punctured his lung. And so, ever since that game, the Chargers have had the worst defense in the NFL in history um, in that time span to start a quarterback's career. Um, And so, I think this is a get-right game for the Chargers. Now they have a week of tape on that Bears quarterback as Justin Fields remains out due to his thumb grip, his dislocated thumb. Uh, And so, they get a week of tape on him. And I think the Chargers run away and hide from the Bears pretty early. Uh, they get way out in front early. Uh, Herbert puts on a masterclass, and the uh, Chargers win, covering the eight and a half. So again, I have Jets minus three over the Giants. The Vikings, and you pick them over the Packers. Texans minus three over the Panthers, which is my lock of the week. I have two-unit bet. Raiders, uh, uh, Lions over the Raiders, minus eight uh, for the Lions. And then Chargers minus eight and a half over the Bears. Now, up next... We're going to shift into our Jack's hot take. We're going to talk about the University of Michigan scandal. Jack's hot take was well, going to be a discussion or a take on the University of Michigan football um, sign stealing scandal. So it came out a few days ago that Michigan was on investigation again under Jim Harbaugh again. This time was interesting. Um, so reportedly they were stealing signs, they were having someone, which again, everyone steals signs for, like, for just to so be clear. But they were having someone uh, travel to different games with their opponents and to record or write down or whatever the signs of the opposing team. So what's the sign go to? What is the play? What does the sign go to? What is the play? Uh, even if it's no more than a run pass, it kind of, you know, it, it greatly helps you out if you know it's a run or it's a pass. More than just tendencies. What's the sign? What's the play? What's the sign? What's the play? Um, and so um, when it came out, cruelly, and not well, cruelly's a bad word. when it came out shadily my brain went, or I thought, hey, this would be really easy to get out of. Take some GA. Or somebody that, not necessarily you don't like, but you know they're going to have a big future in this business. Take some low-level assistant, get him to sign an NDA, say he did it, give him a $150,000 severance package, $200,000 severance package, and end of story. You know, you you, you you take a a small reduction in something, pay a big fine, give him money on the side, end of story, Right. And that's basically exactly what the University of Michigan has done. Um, So the person they've done it to is Connor Stallions, has become a scapegoat for Michigan. They have paper trails of him paying for tickets to games of different opponents. They have him um, on video now, where and it, it's it. The, the paper trail is a paper trail, where. Oh, he bought tickets and then he transferred them to this account Or he bought tickets for this game He bought tickets for that game And how is this person who's making, you know, 65 grand a year Buying all these premium seats To all these big games We'll do, we we'll do, right? That's, that could be easily explained away Maybe they use, I don't know But you can somewhat I'm sure smart people somewhere With given time and resources can explain that away Scary, playing away is the video that came out, and it was a video of Stallions, yeah, he's a GA, standing right next to the defensive coordinator when they're playing Ohio State. First drive of the game, very first drive of the game. There's no tendencies in this game, nothing. Ohio State comes to the line and does their famous check with me, where everybody stands up and they and they get the play. You know, it's, it's called check with me. Right, so you show the formation, you're hiking, you see if anybody moves, and you check out the sideline. When they did the check with me, you can see in the video, Stallions and the defensive coordinator look to the sideline. Not just like look to their own team to try and get, uh, not look to their team on the field to try and get them lined up, position or whatever. They look straight at the Ohio State sideline. Once the signal comes in, as Ohio State is turning back to the line of scrimmage, the entire area of Michigan's players and staff are pointing to the sky signaling pass. There is, I mean, right in the ear of the defensive coordinator. The entire secondary is signaling, the entire, not secondary, sideline um, is signaling pass. The GA, the defensive coordinator, players, they're all jumping and pointing to the sky, signaling to the pass. It's the very first series of the game. And you, it's hard to get tendencies that strong from an air raid team that they're going to pass. And you got it from Ohio State pretty, I mean, so by the angle, it's not like Ohio State's in the middle of the field and it's third and 17. I mean, it, it's probably, you know, it's inside the 30. It's where a it run pass is either one. Uh, and they're all jumping, signaling pass after seeing the signal from the Ohio State sideline. Um, and so it looks like they're going to Scapegoat Conor uh, Stallions in this uh, Ironically I believe he Follows Justin Time Sports He's interacted with the page a couple of times um, And so that was kind of weird Seeing the name I'm like that name looks familiar um, I think it's him uh, So I hope It's one of the where so it's bad But he's going to get fired ultimately He might get scapegoated from the business um, But it It seems like they're trying To do underhanded tactics Thought nobody would notice. Somebody put the picture together. He gets blamed for it, you know. End of discussion, kind of thing. Um, but I think that he's the scapegoat. I don't know if he actually was sent to do it. I don't know how he's a scapegoat, but I think he's the either the unwilling or the willing scapegoat to this plan um, by the University of Michigan football program to steal signs. But that is all I have for you guys today. I thank you guys for powering through my voice. Um, For those of you who are concerned how I feel, I feel fine. Um, No congestion, no headache, no anything like that. Just my voice sounds absolutely awful. Um, But that is all I have for you guys today. Uh, This is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.